Welcome to Season 2, Episode 19 of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners. This podcast is a production of Startup Space, an entrepreneurship community building platform. I'm your host, David Ponraj. We're launching this podcast to highlight the stories of everyday community leaders who break down barriers to entry for underserved and underrepresented entrepreneurs. We believe in equitable and inclusive access to the tools and resources needed to start a business. In this podcast, we'll be speaking with some of the leading voices in the field of entrepreneurship ecosystems and learn from their best practices to apply in our own communities as practitioners. Today, we'll be speaking with Jay Spark, who's an entrepreneurship coordinator for the REDI Ready program. Welcome, Jay. Hi, David. How's it going? I'm, I'm doing very well. Thank you for joining us today. So, so Jay, tell us a little bit about your work and uh, also about the Ready program and what got you started. Well, um, I was a bartender for 20 years here in Columbia, Missouri. Um, graduated, graduated college here and just never left. Uh, ended up you know, starting a family and, and doing things here in Columbia. Um, and I always had a side gig. I always had a hustle of some sort. Um, I always thought it was supposed to be difficult, that it was supposed to be an uphill climb. Um, but I was doing stuff like that. And uh, a few years ago, I, I, one of my friends, my predecessor at this position actually, um, Colin Bunch, who's out in Boulder, Colorado right now, he actually um, told me that I was an entrepreneur and it was not a name tag that I necessarily would have ever stuck on myself. Um, and at that point, I started working a little bit on entrepreneurship instead of just in entrepreneurship. Um, and it really, it really interests me. And, and when this position came available, I was really excited to, um, to, to get my resume together, even as a bartender with very little business, true business experience. But I, I hit the ground running and uh, the, the group here, my coworkers, the president of Ready, um, have been very supportive and we're really working to throw open the doors for entrepreneurship to, to everybody here in, in Columbia, Missouri. That's a very interesting transition. And I must ask this question because we haven't had somebody else make that transition. What are some core skills that you can bring from bartending? And I'm sure there are those core skills from bartending to building entrepreneurship ecosystems. I mean, the number one skill is, is socializing and networking. I, I, I hit the ground here with a, with a huge network. Um, and I know a lot of people might call that a soft skill. And, and I get that. I understand that. But, uh, you know, just the ability to, to walk into a room, to remember names and faces, to um, be able to make that, that, that personal connection in a 45-second, a, a two-minute burst, and, and really leave kind of an indelible mark on them and be able to, to tell a story, tell an anecdote, make that connection, um, find out what they're interested in, and, and pull that, and then maintain mentally that large Rolodex and, and know how to connect people and when to connect people. Um, I found that really invaluable as I've moved into this ecosystem type of type of landscape. Tell us a little bit about the Ready program itself. Uh, you know, who do you serve? Uh, what are some benefits? Uh, because if there are other people that can launch similar programs, this might be useful information. So Ready is a public-private partnership. We're a 501c4 um, that exists um, kind of in tandem uh, with several large investors here, the the city, the county. Uh, the university and, and, and some other entities like that. Um, the city pays our salaries. I'm a city employee for the city of Columbia, Missouri, um, but we work as a separate entity 
um, facing forward, which I've, as I've, as I've just joined about 10 months ago, um, 10 or 11 months ago here, um, I've, I've discovered that that's actually pretty sought after. A lot of folks out there are really interested in, in that idea of the public-private partnership um, with economic development. So uh, just, just uh, what Ready does, we work in three main silos. The first is attraction. We, we, we try to shepherd the large, you know, $100 million plus, 100 plus local jobs for warehousing, manufacturing, uh, national, international companies to come here. Um, then we also work in, um, you know, retention. So we work with our existing legacy businesses to help them. Um, you know, uh, a Kraft Heinz here who wants to consolidate all the hot dog production in the United States. Yep, it happened. Uh, you know, Kraft Heinz has Oscar Mayer. Every hot dog made in the United States under Oscar Mayer is made in Columbia, Missouri. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, and we work with them to kind of help them through that process. Um, and then the, the, the third silo is entrepreneurship. And, and that's where myself and the supplier diversity um, uh, gentleman in the next office, Jim Witt, um, we really step up to the plate and, and try to get out in the community, put boots on the ground and, and really, you know, help ready, help entrepreneurs and small businesses. And, and, and we do that by being available and open and, and trying to offer them some things that can help them get their business started. That is incredible. So let's talk a little bit more about the immediate, the immediate impact which is through what's happening with COVID-19, right? Um, how have you all fared? Uh, have, have there been any kind of uh, programming that you've been providing to help businesses navigate COVID-19? We've had, we're very lucky to have several resource partners uh, in, our, in our office suites and, and just again in the community with us. Um, and everybody kind of banded together and found their wheelhouse. Um, we, have a, we have a women's business center that works with us and, and they were awesome. They had a lot of connections to the local banks and, and they were pumping out information on, you know, PPP and, and, and SBIR kind of things and, and really trying to reach out to people and, and walking them through that process, helping people get their applications together. Um, and, and, and we worked a lot with, again, providing those, those networking, those connection moments. You've got a new business, you're in alert because of COVID, let's get you connected to someone who, who might be able to have that, that next lifeline or, or, or that next um, bit of information you need to, to get over the hump. Um, and I think one of the most interesting things we saw, I mean, I, I took over in September um, during the, you know, the COVID pandemic here in this position and the, the amount of people who, instead of taking COVID and saying, I want to, to create a for-profit business where I can profit and, and take care of myself, my family, those kinds of things, we were uh, and still are awash in nonprofits, people who looked at their communities, looked at their, their peers and their demographics and said, you know, I want to help people I want to I want to bring this community up with me when I when I take this entrepreneurial ethos and, and run with it um, and so we've had to learn a lot about nonprofits the 501c3 um, process and and really how to to work with very small 501c3s and help them through that infancy that nascent stage um, instead of doing it for a, for a for-profit business so you're in the backyard of the Kaufman Foundation and the work that they're all doing so I have to ask you this question. We don't talk to every day to somebody that um, gets to see the work that's happening in Kansas City. How do you all uh, work with your partners in Kansas City and other parts of the state? Uh, are there synergies uh, through the philanthropy-led work that Kaufman is doing and, and others are doing? Kansas City is such a flagship city when it comes to this kind of stuff that, that yes, it's agreed that, that being close proximity has, has been really helpful. 
Um, I mean, the most obvious thing is one million cups. Um, we were we were number we were chapter ten point five. Um, if you've been in this area at all, you know that Columbia, Missouri, and Lawrence, Kansas have have quite the heated college rivalry. Um, and the, a gentleman who who's lived in both locales, he was one of the ones who helped start the, both chapters, and he submitted the paperwork at the same time for chapters ten and eleven, uh, Columbia and Lawrence. So there would be no bragging rights. Neither one would be above the other one. Um, so so our one million cups has been around for quite a while. Um, and it's very active, and we, we thank the Coffin Foundation for all their support in keeping our One Million Cups community um, just absolutely vibrant. I mean, we, we're averaging about 30 people, even through virtual and hybrid events, um, and, and haven't missed, you know, uh, haven't missed a, a Wednesday morning. So that's been really great. And then just connections. Um, BizCare up in KC, uh, 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 Nia up there, and, and so many things in Kansas City. There's just there's ripple effects and repercussions that we can definitely tune into. So you're 10.5 and the 10.6, right? <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're, we're really trying to bury that. We're, we're trying to bury that. So, so we'll, just, we'll, we'll both take 10.5 and that's completely fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me, let me ask you a little bit more serious question. Uh, and this is around economic activity. Um, sometimes the hard questions don't get asked and we tend to kind of focus on what really matters, which is at the end of the day, entrepreneurship is to drive economic activity, right? Uh, entrepreneurship is about wealth creation. It's about doing some really hard work to put in place infrastructure to help people start businesses and become rich, right? In the absence of that, all of the technical assistance, all of the education, et cetera, is not really going to move the needle. So I see your head nods. And so I'll ask you, you know, when you look at entrepreneurship-led economic activity, you know, what, what comes to mind for you? Like, what are programs that you all do that intentionally move the needle for economic activity? I mean, the main thing we do here at Ready is, is we have a, we have a client based program here um, through our co-working space called the hub. And, and it really just, you know, we, 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 again, it's, it's like you just said, it's, it's that generational self worth that, that you can instill in someone once they pick up that entrepreneurial ethos, they, you know, pe people have to believe that entrepreneurship is for them and can 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 be successful, can serve them. And, um, you know, we, we just really work with um, trying to get out in the communities who might have been led astray on that. There, there's communities out there that might not believe that. And, and I think it's important that we, um, you know, double, triple, you know, uh, square our efforts in in those communities in order to to make sure that that it's not just about um you know wages and and offered positions but that you can create your own way um and and that you can do it on your own um and and we we, we just really really work with that idea and and how to uplift people um so that they can they can get in that space feel successful in that space and know that they have partners and resources in that space. Yeah, absolutely. No, well said, because we also look at entrepreneurship led economic activity as a team sport, right? That none of us can do it on our own. Uh, we need the local SBDCs, the local chambers, the local score organizations. So talking about your partners, what are some organizations that you all work with in Colombia to help facilitate and grow your ecosystem? Um, the first people I have to mention right off the bat is our, our Women's Business Center, Missouri Women's Business Center here. Um, they, they help both male and female-led businesses, but they are all 
Um, they are all women. Uh, all the coaches there are women, and it's free of charge. Um, it's it's funded through the local um, uh, Central Missouri Community Action, and they are just amazing. They're just rock stars. I mean, the, the entire roster of coaches there. Um, I enjoy interacting with them, and I know that our clients do. We we share a lot of clients. People come to both of us, um, and they've been really instrumental in helping so many businesses here. Um, you know, get that toehold and, and, and get over that hump of, of you know, um, coming into existence and feeling like you can stick around for a while. Um, <clears throat> obviously, Chamber of Commerce has been really, really great. Um, we just did a strategic plan for, for both us, the city and the county all had strategic plans going on simultaneously, um, the, the process of creating those. Um, and the chamber really stepped up. The, there were some things that, that you know, we thought boy, we would love to support, but maybe not lead. And one of the things our community is really focused on is workforce development right now. And, and the chamber stepped up and said, we will work in community, we'll work in workforce development um, to build that in the community. But can you support us in that if we take the lead? And so it was a no brainer. Yes, of course. Um, we're a very lean organization. There's, there's three full timers and three part timers here in, in ready. Um, and so, you know, when, when we're all hands on deck and everybody's bandwidth is full, that's, that's it. That's, that's what, that's exactly how busy we can be. Um, and so, you know, resource partners out there who are willing to step up and say, with your support, we can do this. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's great to see that. So, um, there's, there's, and there's just, there's just a ton of people. The university of Missouri is here and the, the amount of entrepreneurship support and, and economic development, uh, you know, ELED that's over there. Is, is just incredible and they've been great allies for us as well, not just for students, but even for people in the community who, who need assistance. So you had mentioned Oscar Meyer and uh, you know the pride there in that story. Can you share with us the success of some of your small and micro businesses that you've been working with? Uh, and uh, you know, I'd love to see uh, what kind of businesses uh, get started in Colombia. Well, we, we are definitely all over the map. Um, we, you know, um, um, from a from a, a cross town at, at our, our, our innovation like um, center that, you know, there's there's a, a very strong biotech. Um, we do have a research reactor here on campus. So, so there's a lot of pharmaceutical and biotech things going on. And that's really exciting. Um, we don't see a lot of that necessarily in our co-working space. But to know what's going on in our ecosystem has been uh, really beneficial as far as stuff here that I work directly with. You know, it's 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 really um, just it's it's all over the map. But we we definitely have had several food based businesses come through, um, and uh, our startup weekends have launched some very very successful people out of Columbia. Um, Zapier and and Equipment Share both came out of Columbia, Missouri startup weekends. Um, so so those are two businesses that are that are making larger splashes. And then for little things, we you know smaller things. Um, we have an ag business coming through now that's in uh, bovine like biometrics um, and, and we just actually had a good meeting where we connected with um, local uh, one of the big hundred million dollar plus attraction projects that came through uh, was in dairy and so we connected our, our local you know my, my small just just getting started pre pre round funding um you know uh, a startup we connected with them got their chief agricultural officer on a zoom call and we had you know two of the startup members are, are not even here locally anymore and got everybody on the same page and really made some great headway with that and, and so just seeing those connections happen where 
larger businesses in town look at Ready and say, gosh, you really helped us, you know, and, and we've, we've made this great connection with you. And then being able to take that connection to a, a small startup and, and have that pay off, have them, you know, reciprocate that back into the ecosystem has been very, very rewarding. I did not know that Zapier started from your startup week. You, you've got to connect me with your <laughs> Zapier contact. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, we that use was, them. <laughs> that, that was one of those ones where, you know, and again, you can just see how it goes. It's, you know, sometimes you, you see a TV show and you say, boy, I know exactly how the pitch meeting went to, to create that TV show. And, and Zapier is, it's, it's so, it's such a no brainer, right? And, and why didn't it exist beforehand? Um, and, and you can just imagine at a startup weekend, how some folks sitting around a table could could pitch that to each other, but then you know you fast forward years and and you have that brand, and that's what fostering entrepreneurship ecosystems is all about, right? You got to put, uh, you got to create a platform for people to just show up, and once you've done that, the minds start working. I've attended several startup weeks, and it's amazing the kinds of things. Uh, you say, you know, we'll give you a 30 second pitch and the kinds of ideas people come with and are able to create widespread buy-in between developer communities, between people that know how to do sales and marketing, people that know how to create business plans, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's amazing to see that kind of culture exist in, in Colombia. What do you think helped create something like that? Because I'm sure our practitioners are listening to us and saying, wow, I'd love to have that kind of culture in my community. Well, I think I think the first thing, and and I, I know that you know anyone who's out there in this space, you, you you've talked about someone has talked about doing a spider web or a resource map, and and you want to look around and codify that a little bit, but the moment you create it and the moment you hit save, it's already out of date. Someone switched positions, uh, somebody's closed the door, somebody's opened the door, um, but we really I think here in Colombia we have an embarrassment of resources. There are so many talented coaches who are open and giving back. There's so many programs who are, are focused on coaching uh, at, at all levels, free of charge coaching. Um, there's so many coaches and, and resource partners who are actively working with bankers and doing things um, that, that people talk about the no wrong door when you look at those resource maps. And, and here in Colombia, we're just really focused on fixing that that no wrong door problem if if someone shows up at the chamber of commerce and says i'm trying to start a business tell me about your services they're they're really going to work hard they're going to say sure here's our brochure here's our information but you need to go talk to jay at ready and, and when somebody comes to me and says i'm existent business here's where i'm at and this is what i'm doing i'm going to say listen you don't you probably don't need our services here i'm happy to work with you but you want to talk to the chamber you want to go talk to these people and so working on that no wrong door policy, I think has really built so many people up and allowed for small businesses to, uh, you know, kind of grow and bloom. It's kind of like having a greenhouse in the winter. Like I, you know, business is harsh. Um, you know, we, we all know the percentages of businesses that fail, small businesses that fail, you know, 80, 90% of small businesses eventually fail and that kind of thing. But, but, you know, having that that really robust growth moment and allowing people to be shared back and forth and not fighting for credit it's not my client it's a client and if it's your client and 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 the chamber's client and the university's client that's great because they're getting everything they need they're getting all the nutrients they need to succeed and grow um and so just really fixing that no wrong door policy i i feel like a lot of folks here have 
has finally come around and realized that it's not about pinning my client did this on as we go. It's, it's just so much more about look at that client go. I wonder where they got all their help. I know it wasn't just from me and, and being glad that that's the case. I love you bring that up, this idea of no wrong door, because we are kind of preaching to the ecosystem partners that we work with that when you don't have a strong referral network, you end up providing, you end up creating these cracks that your entrepreneurs are going to fall through, right? And we actually uh, work on a solution that provides a front door that is a combination of all of the partners, right? So you bring partners together, but you said something that was really interesting about that, which is that the way these ecosystem maps work is at the moment you create it, it is by default outdated because people change jobs, businesses close, support organizations get, uh, you know, their funding removed, et cetera, or funding dries up. And, and so the way we make sure that these maps, et cetera, stay up to date is by creating this collective responsibility across the community where your entrepreneurs are able to go in there and highlight changes. Your service providers are able to go and be able to make edits, uh, et cetera. And then your partners also have a shared responsibility because if you have this true idea of no wrong door, then all of them have to have the same door. <laughs> That's the only way you actually get no wrong door. It's not by having many doors that, it's by having a common door that all of you are able to point to that, hey, I might not be the right fit because my CDFI only funds people over $250,000. But guess what? There is another nonprofit lender that does loans less than $50,000. Let me point you there, right? Uh, yeah. And I know about this nonprofit lender because we all share the common ecosystem map that allows me to know who else is doing what kind of service. And thereby, the winner is really the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur knows now exactly where to go. They're not wasting time spinning their wheels, et cetera. So it's amazing to see that you guys already have such a mature ecosystem where you think in these terms. How did this thought process come about? Well, I, unfortunately, I, I think it comes from, uh, uh, I would say, error and trial rather than trial and error. Um, you know, I mean, for a long time, you you get people who are, are in positions and, and it's not like that. And, and I think... Um, you know, you, you have new blood that comes in and I, I'm not just, this is not about me taking credit for anything. This is just about the, across the ecosystem. Every time somebody new steps in and, and in one sense invalidates the previous spider web or previous resource map. But when they step in and they say, yeah, I do buy in to no wrong door, or yes, I do buy into the, the idea that these referrals make us stronger. Um, then, then as the new blood comes in. And then, and then the reminders that, that as you've been in for a while, you can't be intractable. You have to stay flexible. You have to stay agile. Even, in, even when you're working on entrepreneurship and not in entrepreneurship, you, you have to follow some of the same rules. You, you have to look at pivots. You have to change. Um, and, and I think it's important that, uh, that people in the ecosystem all come together. And one of the things we did here, we, we instituted a coaching cohort um uh for for all the coaches that, that kind of work in that public sphere that, that interact with 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 you know people on a on a public basis um and and so we've got about 16 folks who get together once a month um and and coaches need coaches we we need to be able to lean on each other and and talk about how we coach and how we interact with our clients 
And, and I think that has really strengthened those resource partnerships um, because these coaches are coming from all the different resource partners um, and, and really coming together to share their knowledge and, and share their, their, their bits and what's working and programs, um, things coming down the pike that, that might interest other, other resource partners. And I think that cohort has really made a difference and, and we're on about seven months, six, seven months of that. And I think it's really helped kind of smooth off a lot of sharp edges um, in, in our, our ecosystem here where, where people would get snagged before. And I think we've really started to hone in on that. That is, that is incredible that you've been able to do that. As you look at the future here, Jay, what are some programs that you're looking to bring on, you know, just in terms of the evolution of your own thought process? Other things in the work that in the works that you could share with us, uh, things that you're all dreaming up. What does 2025 look like for you all? Uh, a couple things, I guess. One is uh, I'm I'm a big narrative storyteller type person, and and I just want to help tell the story of small business better. I I, I you know I don't know if that's a documentary. I don't know if that's a series. I don't know if that's more podcasts. Um, but, but I think more people out there who, who, who haven't been exposed to the entrepreneurial ethos or don't know that they have, they haven't put a label to it, need to see people dreaming big and succeeding. Um, and, and we need to be part of the, the apparatus that, that tells that story and, and shows people exactly you know, how that's happening under their noses and, and why it's important for their community. And then separate from that, one of the things we're really looking at is, is through some backend um, things, working with a couple different small startups um, that, that are working on, on, you know, kind of procurement and supplier diversity and, and reaching out to, to MWBEs and, and that kind of thing. One of the things we'd like to do is, I mean, I, I, obviously no one can replicate Silicon Valley in, in the, you know, the, the, the 70s, 80s, 90s. No one's going to get there again. Um, but maybe there's a way to look at you know how can we in columbia we're situated right in between st louis and kansas city maybe we could be an mwbe silicon valley maybe we could show the rest of the country a little bit about how to um you know really get boots on the ground and make substantive change in that demographic as far as entrepreneurship and and startup space and and everything goes and showing people, you know, being kind of a vanguard um, in, in that space. I would really like to do that. And, and we're, we're, we've, we've started laying some groundwork behind the curtains and, and having kind of an I-70 corridor, um, you know, that connects Kansas City, Columbia, and St. Louis, and, and really working to, to bolster and booster that um, in this area and try to be a, a leader for that that other people can look at. I love that you mentioned the storytelling piece. We have worked with several ecosystems where they've been able to elevate the conversation simply by telling their stories better. And I think there's, there are two parts to storytelling. One is the data measurement and being able to really show the numbers because sometimes, uh, you know, with, when there are no numbers, it's hard to quantify impact. So you, you, you do the numbers, but then the numbers don't have feelings. They don't have emotions. You know, they're just uh, numbers on a piece of paper. And then you need the stories to really bring out the impact you're having. And uh, we've had some clients that have been able to tell the stories so amazingly well, which then turns out to be inspiration for communities around them, right? You're not just highlighting your entrepreneurs. You're actually creating a blueprint for how 
we can celebrate success and how we can replicate success and how we can uh, elevate the conversation versus just talking about economic impact in these uh, more kind of intangible numbers. Uh, even though we all care about the numbers, the storytelling, it's usually the after, usually an afterthought in a lot of communities. And I think they're doing themselves a huge disservice by not telling their stories. Yeah, very rarely do people cry while reading a, a report, you know. Um, and, 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 um, yeah. if, we can, if we can tug at the heartstrings a little and really show people that there's human beings doing this and going through this process in their own community, and maybe it's representation matters also that look like them, that interact like them, that have had some of the same shared experiences they have, then I think everybody comes out ahead. I'll ask you one last question, and then I want to also have you share about how people can follow you and connect with you directly. Uh, but this last question is around diversity, inclusion, and access. When, when people of color or others try to start a business, they usually run up against a wall where they will have a bunch of resources thrown at them and says, well, uh, that people usually say, well, it's for everyone. And when you say it's for everyone, it usually excludes the people you're trying to serve. Right? There is no intentionality around programs that have been created for people of color and other underrepresented communities. How do you all at Columbia uh, kind of address that? Well, we've been addressing it lately because during the pandemic, uh, prior, I guess I should say pre-pandemic, um, the, the hub, our, our, our program here at Ready um, was a pay for, you know, pay for service. Um, it, was, it was still double digits per month, but and, and you know everyone kind of thought, oh well, great. You know if you're serious about starting a business, and this is much cheaper than obviously getting a brick and mortar office or, or whatever else you're doing. And um, you know that that that's that's skin in the game, and that's buy-in, and that's great. Um, and then during the pandemic, obviously we, we, people couldn't use the co-working space. We we cut that price down. And I think that we have seen when I took over in September, we had about 20 hub clients on our roster, and we're sitting here on the you know um, you know midsummer. And we are over 50 hub clients now. So we've brought in 30 new hub clients um, with, with the barrier to entry being, you know, uh, of removing that barrier to entry. So um, it was obviously more of a barrier than we thought. And so we're really looking, how do we continue to fund? How do we continue to fund this program and, and make allowances so that we don't have to put a barrier back in place that we've now identified? Um, so it's, it's something that as, as we come up on a new fiscal year, We've got a lot of questions. We've got a lot of digging to do, um, but I think it's 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 questions that need to be answered because we've obviously seen the benefits of it not being in place and to put it back in place seems a little disingenuous. Yep. So last question for you. This has been an absolute pleasure. I feel like we should be doing this at a bar because this could be like a two-hour conversation. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we'll have to do with, uh, make do with virtual. So if people want to follow your work, Jay, and they want to kind of connect with you, what are the best ways to connect with you? Obviously, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jay Sparks. Uh, I, I think there's a goofy headshot probably at this point. I don't know. I, I haven't been on in a day or two, so uh, it's not top of mind. But uh, at Sparks, Jay, S-P-A-R-K-S-J-A-Y, uh, on Twitter uh, is a great place to find me. Um, and uh, from there, uh, I'll share all kinds of things. I, I obviously have hustles and gigs even now that, uh, that, that are going on behind the scenes. So um, I'm sure I'll link to other things from there. But uh, please feel free to reach out. I would love to communicate with more people and, and find out what's going on in other communities um, and, and answer any kind of questions about things we have going on here. Awesome. Well, Jay Sparks, it was an absolute pleasure 
to talk to you today. And I can't wait for this pandemic to be over so I can actually come and meet your community in person and maybe even present at your One Million Cups. Uh, we would love to have you, David, anytime. You're more than welcome. Come, come get a taste of everything going on in Colombia. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners hosted by David Polraj. Special thanks to Jay Sparks for joining us. Show notes by creative director Jackie Dietrich. Edited and produced by Lauren Bernard. If you'd like to suggest interviewees, new topics, or just want to reach out, please email us at podcast at startupspace.app. All Breaking Down Barriers episodes are available on our website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe for all the latest updates.